2: Bruce Lee would make noises like,
1: ah! <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But those are the kind of noises that I made. You were on the field?
2: On the yeah. field. Welcome to NFL Total Access The Locker Room. I'm Michael Robinson. And today I'm joined by my fellow Virginian and former lockdown cornerback, D'Angelo Hall. D. Hall, what's happening? What's good, M. Rob? We're going to let you guys in on what players and coaches really talk about inside the locker room. And today, we're talking to a man whose name is synonymous with football. Chicago Bears great, Mike Singletary, and he's also my former coach. And guys, you're in for a treat. You wouldn't believe what gave Coach Singletary the the, the opportunity
3: to coach, why he wanted to coach, and why he got out of coaching, D-Hall. Yeah, and Rob, and... We can't wait to share the story with how coach told us how he got Buddy Ryan to switch some things up a little bit, right? (laughs) Help some of the other players get on the field, man. That was amazing. And here he is, legendary Hall of Fame linebacker.
2: And guys, it's a special guest for me because he was my former head coach as well. Hall of Famer Mike Singletary, welcome to the Total Access to Locker Room show, brother. Thank you very much. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, you, you know, as we talked on the pre-show, we start every show with a locker room story. OK, and, <laughs> and we're not talking about those locker room stories that we, we talk about on television. OK, this is behind the scenes. We peel the curtain back a little bit on the podcast. So now is your opportunity to bless us with a locker room story. All right, I'll, I'll do the best. I really had
3: to think about this life. you
1: know. I wasn't in the locker room a whole lot. Um, but um, a locker room story that I can't tell you. is my first time in the, in the Pro Bowl. It's my second year in the league, and uh, Walter Payton and I were the only two from the Bears that made it. And so I'm in Hawaii, and, and we go out to practice the first day. So, you know, I want to make a, a good impression. I'm looking around. I'm looking at the guys. Okay, this is cool. I want to act like I've been there. And um, before I went out to practice, you know, I I always go outside early, you know, and it's hot in Hawaii. It's really hot. Freezing in Chicago, but it's hot in Hawaii. (laughs) So I put on my stuff and I'm going out there to to warm up. I'm getting ready, you know, and um, but I go outside. And after a while, I'm feeling I'm starting to feel real hot. And I'm feeling hot in a very uncomfortable place oh. in my job. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm outside and I'm like, oh, whoa. You know, uh, you know, I just got <laughs> bending over and catching myself. And and by that time, the guys started coming out. And Walter had told the other guys, obviously, what he had done. He, he put some of that heat bomb in my job.
2: Oh, and no.
1: And I'm telling you, man, it was hot. And I knew, he did it. I knew he did it. He was looking at me, and, and uh, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to – he never said anything because he knew how frustrated and, and angry I was at the time, and he never told me he did it. But uh, I didn't even think about it until that night what, what had happened, but I, I just knew that he did it. But that was the initiation, and I didn't know that. I would never
2: do that to a guy. So you went through the whole practice? I went through, through the whole the- practice. I went through the whole practice, dude. That had to be miserable. Whoa, that had whoa, to be no. miserable.
1: It was, it was awful, man. I went through the whole practice. So, mm.
2: you, so you know, um, Rex Ryan was on the show before, and he talked about sweetness. You know, play, being a prankster in the locker room. Oh yeah. Well, is, is that that really was what he was. He, he he was the guy playing jokes in the locker room. You know what? I'm gonna tell you. I love Walter, but but
1: I had to tell him because some of the stuff he did, I, I had to tell him. I said, Walter, I love you, <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you. If you ever do anything else to me, you me, you know I mean?
3: we ain't gonna make it. Hey, hey, so, so, coach, coach, talk about that locker room and those guys, the different personalities in that locker room. How did, how did, how did guys kind of mesh back, back, back in the day? I say back in the day. Um, because I know kind of, you know, guys who used to try to put pranks, we would have other guys, you know, kind of tougher guys in the locker room that weren't going for those pranks. Things <laughs> yeah. kind of got a little, you know, altercations could happen. Back in the day, I know it wasn't policed as much as it is now. So, you know, I'm sure some, you know, some things happened. Well,
1: you, you, you had guys, um, there, there, there would be guys that, that would do things, but at the same time, it never got so far out of hand. Okay. Because you had some, some locker room cops. Yeah. And I was one of them. Uh, if somebody got out of line, you know, but you, you could see where it was going to go. Say, hey, you know what? No, let's, 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 let's cut it off there because I don't want to break up fights and all that stuff. <laughs> but it was a fun locker room, just yeah. like any other locker room. But, uh, you know, you always have those guys that are going to take it a little further than it needs to go. So uh, we always had to keep eyes on those guys. But for the most part, it was, it was always live, always fun, man.
2: Always live. All right, Samurai Mike. Okay, I know you probably ain't heard anybody say that in a while. Where'd that come from, Samurai? You, you was a kung fu artist. You know, I I
1: uh, I made a lot of noise when when I played. <laughs> It's just one of those. Uh, I, I was in a. Um, I was always in in that place where I, you remember Bruce Lee. Have you ever heard of Bruce yeah, Lee?
2: Yeah, yeah, oh, well, yeah. Bruce
1: Lee would make noises like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But well, those really? are the kind of noises that I made. And <laughs> you were on you, the field? On the yeah, field. Yeah. I'm 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 on the, I'm on this side of the line, and when I saw what a play was going to go, nine times out of ten, I knew where the play was going to go. So when I saw that, it's kind of like, oh, you know, I'm starting to make those noises because I am <laughs> i got to get there. I'm gone. I got to go home. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's kind of how it works.
2: And they called you Samurai. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. I, I, know, I, know, <laughs> I know you got a lot Dho. I got to ask this question because we got to get into this defense a little bit inside Buddy Ryan's defense, right? What was it like being a part of that innovative and often devastating scheme? And did you guys know that you were a part of kind of redefining how defenses were doing things back then? Did you know it at the time?
1: You know what? um, It's interesting. Um, I I think it, it was just one of those things that evolved. When I first got to Chicago, we were very complex four, three defense, you know, we ran several, we ran cover two and uh, uh, a little bit of uh, cover two week and three, and so we ran a lot of different things. And uh, by the time my second year came around, we weren't doing as well as we should have. We had uh, some, some number one, we had about three or four number ones. And uh, we had some, we had some good players, but our young players were, a lot of our young players were on the bench. And one of the things that Buddy could not do, he could not tolerate mistakes. And so um, uh, starting with me, I mean, he was really, really tough on me. One day, I, I just, um, I began to look at the bench and look at our record. We weren't winning very much. And we had some guys on the bench that could really play. They, they were athletic, but they couldn't get on the field. So finally, I, I go and I started asking the guy, guys, what does it take to get you on the field? And everybody was just saying, "Mike, we we need our playbook is too thick, man. We got mm. too much to learn. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know if you make a mistake, buddy's gonna take you out.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: if, if we just if we just kind of tighten that that defense up, we'd be great. And uh, thankfully, when I took that to buddy, I just slid I slid the notes underneath the door. I knocked on the door, slid the notes <laughs> underneath the door because I didn't want to hear it. I knew he was gonna curse me out. Hold on, you wrote him a note? Hold up. I wrote him a note. (laughs) I wrote
3: him my suggestions under the. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. I wrote him a note. Coach, this is what the guy said. I think this is what we need to do. I put it underneath the door and I left. And uh, the next day, our playbook went from five inches to about half an inch. Wow. (laughs) He didn't say a word, he didn't even look at me. It was different. He just started handing them out. All right, this is what we're gonna do today.
3: So, so, coach, was that the birth of the four six? No, no, no. Four, we six, we six? were we were
1: running it basically oh, okay. on nickel.
3: Okay. We
1: were running the forty six on a nickel. It was more of a nickel type okay. type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the forty six was there before I got there. Okay. Because a lot of linebackers had got hurt and they needed some more DBs to play linebacker. All right. So, um, but what happened is when I started playing the nickel, Buddy, buddy also wouldn't let me play nickel and, until I, I begged him. And, and finally, one of our guys got hurt and I ran on the field. That's <laughs> when I started playing nickel. cursing me for everything. Get back over here. I said, no, I'm not coming back. You need to play. But that's how I started playing nickel. And since 40, the 46 was a nickel defense, we started playing it every down and it was working it was getting home and all of a sudden everybody realized that we could run this all the time and that really took a lot of uh, the pages out of the the defense and we ran that 46 and it was just a matter of about um seven or eight calls and knowing when to call them and how to call them and you know when i gained buddy ryan's trust he just said, "Hey, when you call it, but you better have a reason for calling. Anything you call, <laughs> and uh, that was my accountability. So he gave us ownership, and that's when the defense really took off."
2: Coach, wow. it, it, it's crazy you say that because you, you took a simple concept, and I don't, I don't mean to say it's simple, but you, 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 Buddy Ryan basically took all the. The other stuff out of the playbook and and basically put in there what you guys do well. Uh, yeah. We had a guy uh, by Dan Quinn when I was with the Seattle Seahawks. He's now the defensive coordinator uh, of the Dallas Cowboys. That's with hearing you talk. That's his, the basic the same thing he said yeah. to me explaining that three deep defense that they run. Okay, what else did you learn from Buddy Ryan? Because. I mean, the dude was, uh, was a character, you know what I'm saying? But to hear you talk about, he he took, a suge- he took a suggestion under the door, didn't say anything, shortened the playbook, and just passed it out the next day. That's powerful, Coach.
3: It is.
1: Well, you know, the, the other thing that I, I learned about Buddy was, <laughs> it, it really is, the game is all about accountability, the game is all about accountability and ownership, mm-hmm. um, being able to help someone understand that if you're going to play the game, there's a certain responsibility that you have in playing the game. And when one of your coaches ask you, why did that happen? The correct answer is not, I don't know. Uh, or it was somebody else's fault that that's unacceptable. There has to be. Hey, you know what, Coach? If he's asking you nine times out of ten, you did it. So you need to say, Hey, you know what? That's my fault, Coach. I'm gonna get better. Or if he asks you, Why did you call that? Well, I thought they would. That's the wrong answer already. You say, Well, I called that because I saw this lineman do that. I saw the quarterback do this. I heard the you know the receiver come across. I heard that. So you have a reason, and there are no excuses. And when there are no excuses on a team. Chances are the team gonna be very good.
3: So, Coach, those 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 Bears football teams in the mid '80s, dominated by larger-than-life figures. Coach Dicker was one of the biggest personalities. What did he bring to that to that football team um, that that no other coach would have brought? You know, at at the time,
1: uh, I remember the first day Coach Dicker got there and the message that he gave us. And um, a lot of guys were after he made his speech. You know, he said, "A lot of you guys are not gonna be here." Uh, And I'm sorry about that. He told us that the first day. I'm sorry that a lot of you guys won't be here. First day? First day? First day. Oh, he's out the (laughs) bag. That that was his first speech. A lot of you guys will not be here.
2: So he said I want
1: guys that want to be here, and and I want Mm. guys that I can see it on that film. Mm. And so, um, to me, I loved it. I loved it because there were a lot of guys that didn't need to be there because – when I remember when I came as a rookie, and I, you know, maybe it was about mid I'm saying, man, guys, we got to get, man, we got to get the team ready to go to Super Bowl. And guys looked at me like, what? Man, we don't go to Super Bowl, yet. Hey, where you come from? And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in a locker room crying after practice because I'm yeah. thinking, we, we, we're not, we got the wrong guys here, man. Well, yeah. we got to go to the Super Bowl. I don't want to go home. And, and that was my attitude. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. We're going to be here all day. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. And when Coach Dicker came, those are the kind of guys that we started getting, guys that were angry, guys that were crying after the game, guys that wanted to be great. And, and the more of those guys you got, when you get a lot of guys like that, all of a sudden, those guys become dogs. And when you get dogs that, that, that want to go to war, uh, you got something that's really, um, really special. Doesn't happen very often
2: it doesn't coach and you know you are a hall of fame linebacker um you I, you're an even better human being trust me guys i I've, i this guy was my coach before even though he cut me we're not going to go into that coach like, <laughs> no. we're not going to go no. into that conversation no no, no i don't want to, man cuz i got cut. Said, I'm the one that, got cut. that yeah <laughs> no i don't cuz i'm the one that got cut oh. <laughs> but uh, but um hall of fame linebacker i've seen the intensity you know the the passion that you bring to the game um has there ever been another guy that you went up against that matched that intensity? Basically, yeah. what I'm asking is, who was the toughest guy you went up against? Uh,
1: the toughest lineman I ever went up against, I would say John Hanna. Really? John Hanna was a guy that came out of Alabama in college, and then uh, he played for the New England Patriots. Uh, played against him a couple of times. And uh, by the time I played against him, he was, he was older. He was toward the end of his career. But John Hanna sounded like an 18-wheeler. When you got down ready to go, you could hear some. First time I played against him, you just heard. No. <laughs> you know, not something's not right out here, man. Well, where's that noise coming from? And you heard it really loud. Uh, it sounded like a generator. You know how generator sound. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it was him. And uh, you know, he was shaking and stuff and he had a tight face mask and uh, he was blood red in the face, and I'm like, man, something's wrong with this book. <laughs> uh, but but uh, that was the toughest guy, man. And the thing that I really, really respect about him, he never held me. Never held me.
2: Come on, coach. Of office of linemen, hold. the yeah. office of linemen that don't hold, is that even a thing? Mm. Really? Oh. All linemen hold a little bit, coach, right? He, he did. didn't. Hey, he didn't. He did wow. not. He, he
1: did, did not. He came out time. when he came off that ball. You better be ready. He won't. You he better wanted.
2: be ready. He yeah, we, man. No, I, I, I liked him. Well, what about this? And I, Deha, I know you got something for him. But we we talked right before we got on this on this on the uh, on the podcast about coach. If you think if you were in today's game, could you guard these dynamic offenses and quarterbacks? I like to hear your response to that on wax. Now that we've recorded, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I
1: love this conversation. (laughs) I love this conversation, but you know, the thing that I told you before, it's obvious that that uh, the game has changed quite a bit because uh, when quarterbacks are playing into their forties, something's Mm -hmm. wrong. It it really is. Um, This is a game. Where you know everybody is is you know everybody's in the trenches. Everybody's taking a beating. Receivers, running back, but not quarterback.
3: Everybody should. And, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so to me, I'm like, oh, hold on. I mean, I would like to play. I'm 42. So how about have <laughs> the guys not do some of the things they can do to me? Uh, let's 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 make the game across the board that way. And uh, then, you know, we really see what it would be like. But I, I think that in today's game, I love today's game. I love the, the versatility. I love the, the offensive um, ingenuity. I mean, I love all that. But I, I think when it really gets right down to it, when, when defenses are playing, they're doing their job, they're playing the responsibility and they're not outsmarting themselves. You know, so many times I see guys that are outsmart themselves and they're not playing together. Mm-hmm. um and um, they're not really understanding all of the window dressing that's happening on offense a lot of it's window dressing <laughs> and instead of instead of hitting some of these guys they're looking at them and they're trying to figure out and by time thousand one thousand two ball snap, you're too late man you you got no chance yeah, but if I start hitting these guys that are coming across <laughs> there and oh they're gonna start telling me hey, I ain't got the ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, uh, trust me, they'll begin to talk to you a little bit. You know, that's how I see it.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, Coach, just saying the words 85 Bears instantly transports any football fan back to a time and a place that you can touch, you can smell, you can feel. I can even remember myself. um, You know, I was born in 83, but I knew about the 85 Bears, right? I knew about them. Mike Singletary, Walter Payton, Otis Wilson, uh, uh, Refrigerator Perry. Did you know at the time that you guys were making history that you were going to have this kind of imprint on the game of football that, I mean, even my kids, they're nine years old, and 20 they more. Know about they know about, yes, absolutely. When I told them I was talking to you, I mean, they – are YouTube kids who, you know, I got to go watch his highlights. i don't like, dude, you you, you don't go crazy. And one's a linebacker (laughs) coach, and he comes downhill at nine years old. And so them watching you guys play, like you just talked about, the way the game was played back then, um, I mean, just wow. Wow. Did you know it would be, you know, 30 years later, this type of imprint on, on just the game of football? You know,
1: I want to say two things about that. The first thing is, no, Uh, at that time when we were playing, there were other teams that that had some some great defenses as well. Um, You know, I can think of the Philadelphia uh, Eagles. Uh, They had a heck of a team when Buddy went there, especially on defense. And uh, really had some talent on that defense. I think of the the, uh, the New York Giants. Uh, they had some some mm-hmm. some great defenses. Uh, Pittsburgh, they had some great defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, but when i when I thought about our team, I was always focused about where we were where we needed to go. even though we were considered you know a great defense in eighty five I always felt like in eighty six and eighty seven and eighty eight I felt that those should have been our greatest years. Mm, And um, the only frustrating thing about when you think about 85, most people say, oh, well, that's the standard. Um, It's too easy at times when you, you do something and people think it's great and you realize that it's the beginning of something great. And we ended up settling instead of continuing to get better and really showing the game, setting a standard that, that it would just, just blow the top off of it. And I don't think we ever really did that.
2: I'm going to take you back a little bit uh, The 2008. Uh, we both were in the San Francisco 49er organization. Um, head coach at the time was a good friend of both of ours, Mike Nolan. Okay. Um, Mike Nolan gets released, gets fired. Um, you come on as the head coach and then you go on into the next year as, as the head coach. I remember, you know, as players, we talked about that. And D Hall, I don't know if I told you this as players in that locker room, we talked about that and we, we wanted coach Singletary to be the head coach. You know what I'm saying? That was something that we felt very strongly about because of the impact he had on us. Um, coach, when did you know, hey, you know, head coaching was something that you wanted to do? And the second part of that question is what was it like? What did you like? What did you dislike? Um, I think I got my opinion. I think I got my, some answers about what you may say, but I'd like to hear you say. When I
1: started, when I started coaching, I, I knew I wanted to be a head coach. Um, and I, I set out studying as much as I could. And it was amazing what I didn't know. Because it's, it's interesting when I played the 46 defense, the 46 defense is so different that it's almost like you're playing another game. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are things that 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 I did as a linebacker that safeties don't even do today. Yep. <laughs> so when I look back at that, and they say, "Well, that can't be done," and I'm, I'm like, "You know what? The problem is you've never seen it." And, and so, but it can be done. You just got to believe. Mm-hmm. So, but but when I when I look back at that time, I, I just think that. Um, when I, started, when I started coaching and, and I wanted to be a head coach because I wanted to heat, but what I didn't know, and this is the honest got you, what I didn't know is the amount of heat, the amount of responsibility that came with that. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that, um, you know, some of the things that, that I did not know, the coaching etiquette, mm-hmm. you know, being uh, politically correct. You know, I'm not really a politically correct guy. And I believe in saying things, you know, the way, Hey, you know what, here it is. And, and you take that, but so you have to learn how to play the game. You have to learn the, uh, the language of a head coach. I did not have the language of a head coach. Uh, I did not have the etiquette of a head coach, but uh, just had a lot of homework to do. But what I did have, what I did have is is the, the, the fundamental uh recipe for success and how to build a team. And um but you know, you you only have so much time and um you know that that's kind of what happens
2: sometimes. Did you ever yeah, feel yeah. Overwhelmed. Hold on, my, my bad, D. I just ha- I haven't good. talked to Coach in years, man. <laughs> like you got to understand. I think our last conversation was probably uh, other than a couple of Super Bowls. Real conversation may have been on the field uh, at the game I played. You guys, you know what I'm saying? After I got yeah. released, like it, 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 we hadn't seen him, so I, I got real questions about it. Like, <laughs> did you ever feel overwhelmed, Singh? Because Coach Singh, because I ain't gonna lie, like being a player, we we knew where you were coming from. We knew that the outside was coming down on you when that really wasn't what the truth was in the building. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, I remember having conversations with Frank, like, man, we, we got to start winning, man. Cause coach coach might be a little overwhelmed. Did you ever feel that way? I did. Mm. I did not, not, not
1: overwhelmed really isn't the word, but alone. You know, when, when, uh, first of all, when you become, um, uh, the coach, the way I became a coach, you know, you don't get to hire your own staff. You don't get to, and, and so you, you got a coaching staff when you inherit a coaching staff, it's kind of like, um, the first thing I'm thinking about, I'm always thinking about the coaches' families. Yeah, I, I'm not going to fire everybody. I'm, I'm not going to do all that. You know, maybe you should. But, but you know, no, I'm not going to do all that. I, I'm going to make sure I try to win with what we have. And um, some of those coaches, you don't know it at the time because you're thankful to get the job and you're like, hey, let's go. But what you don't understand is about three or four of those guys think that they should have been the head coach. And so it's, it's really difficult to, to try and, and win in this game. You know, a lot of head coaches, I I see them on, on Sunday and I'm praying for them on Mondays, man, because that's a tough day. And uh, you don't have those, those guys if you didn't pick those guys. And sometimes even when you pick them, you pick the wrong one because you don't know them. You're going off what somebody else told you. If you don't know those guys, and, and those guys don't believe that at some time, some, some way, Coach, we're in this with you, man. We're going to turn this thing around. When you got that, then you got a chance. Anytime you got a chance. You don't have that, mm-hmm. and you're not sure what the coaches are saying behind your back, then what are you going to say to the players? Uh, so, yeah, that, that makes it difficult.
3: Yeah, powerful. Man. Yeah, I could, I could definitely understand that, Coach. I want to talk a little bit about Ray Lewis. He was a dude that you know that I grew up idolizing as well. You know, I grew up in the Virginia area, and so watching kind of the imprint he's had on that Baltimore football team community, um, you got a chance to coach him. Was that like looking in a mirror? You know, because I watched the passion in, in 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 you playing, coaching. I watched the passion in Ray, and. You can't do anything but draw so many similarities in, 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 in the greatness. Um, what was it like for you to be a part? You know, to be able to coach a guy like Ray? Because I know you said earlier that you know sometimes you're looking like you know you want a guy to do something and he either he doesn't know if he can do it. <laughs> I know you never had that problem with Ray. A lot of I did training. one time. Really? <laughs> oh, really? One time.
1: One time. I'm, I'm so glad you said that. I hope. You- <laughs> I just <laughs> talked to him yesterday. By the By the way. I had this one time with Ray. We're we're playing the game, and it's preseason. Okay. And so I'm telling Ray, Ray, you just got to step back a little bit, and you got to come downhill, man. You got to hit that thing. And when you hit it, get off of that and go make the play. (laughs) Ray was looking at me like, I said, so you don't think that can happen? <laughs> coach, I'm not calling you a lie, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, I, I, so I tell you what, be at them all morning. Be that in all morning. I'm gonna have all my stuff and I'm gonna show you what I'm talking about. <laughs> so the next morning we went out there, I gray had on his stuff, all the linebackers. They had on their stuff, I had on my stuff. I just went through what I told them to do and I took my stuff off. I said any argument. <laughs> all right, coach, we got it. That, that's the only time. That's the only time. But I'm going to tell you like this, Ray was, oh. Ray was a student of the game. And when I, when I saw Ray, when I coached him, um, man, um, he just, he really made me proud because that's the game. That's the game. Just, just, it's, it, you're all in, man. That, that's, that's the game. That, that's the only way to play the game.
2: A D Hall, Hall, um, Coach Singletary really does put on the pads and get down. <laughs> he, did a, he did a tackling video for us, I think, back in <laughs> 08 and 09. Bleeding and everything after he hit the guy and everything. I'm like, dog, that's a little too much, Coach. It's Coach all good. Life, yeah, he, he bought you know that life. life. But, he, but again, he let us know. And that's why we had Coach Sing's back. He let us know, I'm in it with you. There is no difference. You know what I'm saying? I'm in this thing with you. Coach, last question before we let you go. Got to talk about our guy Vernon Davis, who is still one of my good friends now. Still clown on him, talk about him, send him crazy texts. Obviously, it was a moment. You had a viral moment at the podium after you kicked him out of the game. This is how I believe, okay? I'm from the old school. I would rather play with 10 people and just get penalized all the way
1: until we got to do something else rather than play with 11 when I know that right now that person is not sold out to be a part of this team cannot play with them cannot win with him, cannot coach with them can't do it.
2: We were losing like crazy um, to the uh, Seattle Seahawks and he did something stupid. I ain't gonna go into what happened in the locker room at halftime, but I, <laughs> but I will uh, go into with you how you kick Vernon, you know, off the field. Just talk about your relationship with Vernon and are you guys still friends to this day? And He always talks about that change in his life. Just go into that a little bit. And and why'd you do it? You
1: know what? I I told Vernon before that game, um, I said, Vernon, I said, look, I I, want to see this is our first game together. Mm -hmm. I said, I need you to lead the team. And if anything comes up where you're not leading the team, we're going to have a problem. And I said, I'm going to address it. One time. So Vernon was like, okay, coach, I, I got you, coach. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I got you. And sure enough, he came up. <laughs> and uh, if you can remember when Vernon came to the sideline, you know, he got the flag. He come to the sideline. I said, Vernon, what, what did we talk about? Coach, man, he did that. Vernon, what did we talk about? Coach, man. I said, you know what? Go sit down. And when he went to sit down, he's still over there talking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after that, he's being a distraction. And, I, and, I, and I that's when I went to the trainer and I said, is there a rule against the player going to the locker room? Because he is really being a distraction. And he said, I don't think so. That's okay. And I went to tell, I told Vernon, Vernon, you got to go. Go where? Let's go to the locker room, son. You're done. You're no good to us. You, you, you're killing us. And, and so that was that was it. And um, but I told him that would happen. The next day, um, Vernon came to the office. As soon as I got there, he's knocking on my door. He comes in. Now, I Vernon, I don't think you want to talk to me right now. No, I, I do, coach. You know, my grandmother called me last night and she said I was dead wrong. And you know what? You were exactly
2: right. Thank
1: you. She told me to say thank you.
2: What? Mm-hmm. I never knew that happened. Vernon yeah. never told me that, for real. Yeah. Wow, man, because I know we was like, that's our coach now? He kicking us out the game, D-Hall? Yeah. Oh, we, we better not mess up at the game, man. He kicking us out the game with coach. Thank you, man. Like, thank you for, for coming by, showing us some love, blessing us with your presence, man. Um, I can't thank you enough for the things that you've taught me. Forget about football about being a man, a human being, a man that I still take um, throughout the rest of my life and I pass it along to my children. So thank you so much. And that'll do it uh, for this week's episode of Total Access to Locker Room. For more insight with the locker room point of view, check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired,
0: but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp